the show the establishment warned you about. That's right. Welcome back to the Dr. Tommy Show, broadcasting from the free state of Florida, from the heart of Florida, in Tampa, Florida. We're glad you're here. It's a new year, and uh, we had just gotten back from Georgia. We went there for the weekend over, uh, what was it, New Year's, and uh, stayed at a cabin in this place called Tulua Falls. Or actually, no, we stayed at a place called Tuckaloo State Park, where there was a nearby falls called Tulua Falls. It's a really pretty area if you ever get the chance to go there. And we stayed there in the cabin, and we went to buy some stuff from the grocery store to have for breakfast. And um, we got our stuff back to the cabin, and we're looking at it today. We brought it home. We brought it home yesterday, actually. And Tracy made pancakes this morning. And it was this familiar red box, but when Tracy bought it, she's like, this is a generic. I'm, I, I, I'm surprised we bought this, or hopefully it's not disgusting. Anyway, it was called like Pebble Mill or something like that. Anyway, it turns out that this is actually what happened to uh, Aunt Jemima uh, cake, pancake mix. Uh, it became this pebble, pebble something, pebble creek or something like that. Anyway, I didn't realize they had actually canceled Aunt Jemima. I knew they canceled Aunt Jemima, um, her face off of the, off of the, off, off the actual pancake mix box, pancake mix box. But I didn't realize they actually canceled her completely. And, uh, it's pretty pathetic actually. It's, uh, this was done back in, uh, during the wake of the George Floyd riots. And this was meant as a reason to uh, appease or somehow show that they cared or I don't know, show that they weren't racist, I guess. It's a really strange way to think about things, but it's, it's part and parcel of the way that the, uh, the leftist mind is kind of warped because there's in such this cocoon of of as that they live in an area they live in this world where there is no outside influence on their thought processes basically everything around them reinforces their thoughts and if they don't have any thoughts on the subject then they are quickly given thoughts to think about so they don't really have a chance to form independent thoughts so they live in this kind of weird area where you know suddenly someone says you know ain't jemima it's called pearl milling company now and anyway so it's, it's the same box that looks like Aunt Jemima mix, but it's actually not Aunt Jemima anymore because she got canceled because she was a, apparently a, a racist caricature, it says. This is for, I'll read this later. But anyway, so people live in this, this they're envelope, enveloped in this, this uh, they're constrained by, by political correctness. They, don't, they can't think outside the box. And so they can't understand that normal people look at Aunt Jemima cake mix, pancake mix and think, I like Aunt Jemima pancake mix because it tastes good. When they see it, they say, well, that's a black woman on that uh, pancake mix box. And black women uh, shouldn't be serving pancakes or shouldn't be associated with pancake mix. Therefore, it's racist. Therefore, we're going to cancel her and we're going to remove her from the pancake mix box, pancake mix box and give it this benign, very generic corporate sounding name, Pearl Milling Company, and leave it there and have this little thing up in the corner that says, new name, same great recipe. So what they did was they took this iconic figure, Aunt Jemima, and they replaced her with this very generic, like I said, corporate Pearl Milling Company logo and said, now this is the same Aunt Jemima mix you've always loved. And now it's in this better box and we've removed Aunt Jemima from the box She's been erased, effectively, so you'll never even know that she existed. 
And uh, th- this is uh, this is the Aunt Jemima that this is the Aunt Jemima pancake mix that you've always loved, but now it's just cheesy race from history. This is part of what they've been doing across the, I guess you call it corporate America throughout this this George Floyd riots, twenty twenty, and on throughout. You know, if you remember, they said that Win Dixie, which is like, I think they're second largest. Uh, SC Grocers is the is the company. I think they're the second largest uh, grocery business in the United States, maybe behind uh, Kroger. Anyway, I remember in the in the aftermath of the riots when uh, uh, there was a you know, racism under every rock and under every uh, behind every every uh, corporate logo, like Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben. There was racism, so they were going to change their name from Win Dixie to something else because Dixie. As you know, is associated with the South, and the South, as you know, was completely racist. There's nothing about the South that is redeeming. So Dixie makes people think of the South. South is racist. Therefore, we must cancel Win Dixie in our own name, and we're going to name something else besides Win Dixie. And they actually backed down from that because it never happened. They're still called Win Dixie now. I don't think there's any. Uh, there's no. There's no. There's there's no plans to change their name. But they said that at the time. Because it got got the, you know, it satisfied the uh, woke, and and that's hopefully something that we can see burn out in this year, this twenty twenty three, is this woke, this 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 fear that people have of the woke, this fear that people have to uh, associate uh, whatever the woke thinks as as truth, and then capitulate to the woke in in order to uh, make them feel happy and make them feel whole. When those are usually the woke people are very sad. They'll probably never have uh, lives that are fulfilled because they're eternally upset, conflicted, whatever their personal reasons are, whatever their ideological reasons are. They're going to be upset and sad their whole lives and spreading their misery is the only way that they can basically make you part of them so that it makes them feel a little bit better. You see that a lot of times with people who are toxic. People who are toxic like to bring their toxicity into your life and then so it makes them feel better. So... You know, everybody's got the friend or family member who's always, you know, down in the dumps and they, they never really got anything good to say. They're, they're kind of negative all the time. And then you talk to them and you talk to them after a while and you're trying to trying to help them and everything. And before you know it, you're feeling bad, too. But you notice then when they walk away, they feel a little bit better. And that's what the woke do. The woke suck from you. And in order to make themselves even a little bit feel better because they're miserable people. They try to make you feel bad. So anyway, that's that's something we encountered over the new year. Was uh, I didn't realize that Aunt Jemima had been completely canceled. I knew they changed her, took her picture off the pancake mix, but now she's gone completely, gone from history. Aunt Jemima. So this is the CNN uh, report when it happened. This is Quaker Oats is releasing a new name and logo for its Aunt Jemima products. Finally, retiring the racist stereotypes that has adorned its pancake mixes and syrups for decades. Did you ever think that Aunt Jemima was racist? I never thought it was. I didn't think Uncle Ben was racist either. You know, there's this idea that if people have, uh, if there was an association with people that was positive, that meaning that Aunt Jemima was apparently a good cook or Uncle Ben was a good chef or whatever you want to call him, he cooked well. That's negative somehow. I mean, what are we supposed to do? What in the minds of these woke people would we have Aunt Jemima do? So in Aunt Jemima if she existed as a real person, which she did, 
the original Aunt Jemima, who they used as the uh, person to 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 make the uh, box after, what did what did uh, what what was she known for? And if she wasn't known for being a good cook, then what was it? And if it was known for being a good cook, haven't they just basically erased her from history now? The name Aunt Jemima, long criticized as a racist caricature of a black woman stemming from slavery, will be replaced with a pearl milling company name and logo on the former brand's new packaging, according to parent company. We're starting a new day with Pearl Milling Company, a new day rooted in the brand's historic beginnings and its mission to create moments that matter at the breakfast table. PepsiCo attorneys purchased brand name and logo trademarks for Pearl Milling, Pearl Milling Company on February 1st. We've been looking for it ever since they made the announcement. It's supposed to launch it. Uh, the Jemima was one of several food brands, including Uncle Ben's, Cream of Wheat, and Mrs. Butterworth's to announce redesigns as protests against systemic racism erupted uh, erupted across the United States this past summer, meaning t- uh, 2020. Rhett named the original company after Old Aunt Jemima, an 1875 song from a minstrel show that featured performers in blackface who wore aprons and bandana headbands. So they're saying now that Aunt Jemima was this, was this racist thing that, you know, there was nothing, there was nothing good about Aunt Jemima there's nothing except for bad uh, connotations of racism because of this woman. And what about Uncle Ben? Who was Uncle Ben? You know, I saw this other thing. If you look in the, uh, if, if you look into the, uh, you go in the grocery store today, there's something called Stubbs. Stubbs, barbecue sauce. And Stubbs, if you look on it, it has a black man on it. Should he be canceled too? Who, who is Stubbs? How do we know that that's not racist? You know? Uh, has anybody asked that? Has anybody asked if, if the Stubbs uh, barbecue sauce is racist? But that's what that's the thing. These are the small things that we do in life that are going to make people feel better about themselves, especially the woke. Yeah, Stubbs is right here. He's a he's a black gentleman with a hat on. I don't know why he's not been banned yet. But that's the thing that they would do. They would even ban Stubbs if if the Stubbs man was alive today. They would tell him to his face that he's been banned. Because he's uh, a symbol of racism. And he would argue, no, I'm not. But they would say, yes, you are, because we're woke and we're probably largely white liberals. And then we'll say that you're uh, you're exploiting yourself by having your face on there. Paw Patrol was also supposed to be changed because patrol was associated with uh, police law enforcement. And that apparently was uh, to be viewed in a neg- negative connotation, too, after the george floyd riots uh we just got over this speaker battle that was going on this back and forth over will kevin mccarthy become the new speaker will he not and there was a holdout and finally they all joined together and a few republicans abstained and kevin mccarthy was able to take over as the uh, speaker of the house now and we're going to be all we're all going to be all watching closely to see what happens. There's a big, big debate about whether or not, you know, some of the things that Kevin McCarthy had to basically uh, give up in order to uh, become the speaker to the conservatives that if, if they were going to come to fruition, such as term limits and things of that nature, I'm going to go on record as saying that ain't going to be a damn thing different in this Congress than was in any Congress in the last at least 20 years of my life. And that's going to be, there's going to be very, very, very minimal progress made towards anything. If anything, they might see some taxes cut 
with some regulations cut, but overall there's not going to be much difference. And don't you worry that if you're a big government person, none of your big government uh, uh, programs will be cut. And as a uh, point of fact, you could see so by uh, what's going to happen based on what uh, Mitch McConnell did in the Senate before their new Republicans were sworn in. He was afraid that they were going to come up with something that was too conservative. So he went ahead and uh, helped pass this $1.7 trillion budget that includes now funding for Hoover's boys. So Hoover's boys are going to get a new building and more funding now. So that's exactly what we need. Hoover's boys, as you know, worked with uh, Twitter to spy on Americans and Hoover's boys paid Twitter to censor certain Americans. You ever find yourself looking through Netflix over and over and over again and trying to figure out what to watch? And it's kind of like going into the old blockbuster where you'd walk them down the aisles up and down, up and down, up and down. And after an hour or two, you'd leave without anything other than your, in your hands and popcorn or a movie that you've already seen. That's kind of like the current uh, situation on Netflix and streaming services in general. And uh, there's a reason why that is. And you might say, well, what is that reason? And the reason is because content generally sucks. Uh, how do I know this? Well, no, I know firsthand by looking at it myself online and, and wherever in the movies, that generally speaking, the content is not good. And uh, we have a uh, member of our practice who's a director. And he said as much, he said that the content is, isn't as good. And he says that the reason why is because it's just the writers aren't as good. And why is that? Well, a lot of it has to do with woke politics again. And so wokeness has infiltrated the writing rooms of uh, content creators across America. And this is uh, from Breitbart. This is John Nolte. It says, Hollywood's old boys club is dead, writes the free press, but a new one with its own litmus test and landmines is rapidly replacing it. This is all going to end in a giant class action. The outlet spoke to more than 25 writers, directors, and producers, all of whom identify as liberal and all described a pervasive fear of running afoul of the new woke dogma. Best way to defend yourself against the woke is to outwoke everyone, including the woke, one writer told the free press, which will go a long way towards explaining the self-humiliation Stephen King and Rob Reiner engage in on a daily basis by way of Twitter. I don't know if they need that, actually. Rob Reiner and Stephen King seem to be perfectly woke without having to uh, try to outwoke everybody. But anyway, back to the uh, article. How do you outwoke the woke? Easy. Suddenly every conversation with every agent or head of content started with this. Is anyone BIPOC attached to this? And for those of you who don't know, BIPOC stands for something, something, something people of color. Actually, BIPOC stands for black, I believe, indigenous people of color or something to that nature. The result is McCarthyism 2.0. One industry professional tells another uh, free press that tells that the free press that managers and agents constantly tell them that the production is not hiring white men. They'll just say, uh, sorry, diversity quotas. We're not allowed to hire you. A white male comedy writer explained. He says his agent also dumped him. One writer showed the free press email proof of the open discrimination. This is a dead end. This one's a dead end. They're going to limit the search to women and BIPOC candidates. Read one email. Another said there are internally some that don't like the idea of hiring a white guy. I wish I had a better way to frame it. Hate this shit. One laid out a more laid it out in a, just a few words. Studios telling us this job must go to a female slash BIPOC writer. Sorry, it sucks. So there you go. 
And that's not to say that people who are uh, BIPOC or females uh, can't write, but it does say that they're doing the same thing that they do everywhere else with affirmative action in the writing rooms, and it's showing. Affirmative action means that you hire people based on their outward appearance or genitalia or whatever the case is, and you don't really take into consideration how good they are at their job. And then what happens is you get crap like Dexter New Blood. You watch Dexter New Blood. God, was that an awful, awful waste of time. This is coming from someone who used to think that Dexter was one of the greatest shows ever. And Dexter, I think, was overall still a very good show. There's people who complain like the last three seasons of the first incarnation of Dexter weren't that good, which is true. And which happens to every show that stays on too long, which Dexter probably did. Uh, Dexter stayed on for eight seasons originally. So six, seven, and eight were kind of, uh, you could tell that the writers were kind of mailing it in. And and the last, uh, the finale of the first iteration of Dexter was largely uh, hated because Dexter uh, helped his daughter, or not his daughter, helped his sister who was in a vegetative state after being shot, helped her die by basically unplugging her life support. And then he sailed off into the water and it looks like he died because he sailed off into a hurricane. And lo and behold, Dexter wound up in somewhere like Portland or Washington and he was a lumberjack. And that was the end of it and people hated that. Well, if you hated that, then you should watch Dexter New Blood because Dexter, Dexter New Blood completely sucks. Dexter New Blood is the woke interpretation of what Dexter is. And it's surprising because the guy who did Dexter New Blood uh, was the guy who helmed Dexter during the original, I think it was four seasons, five seasons, when Dexter was really good. And so it was thought that when this guy came back, that Dexter would be great again. Turned out Dexter sucked. Uh, a lot of it was to do with uh, Dexter was, was just depressed he was, uh, he was kind of withdrawn, forlorn. He had this uh, son that later showed up, and the son was a huge drag. Uh, he was always depressed and, uh, you know, didn't have anything positive to say. And, um, and Dexter New Blood ended with Dexter being killed by his son. And uh, this was supposed to be some type of justification for all the bad things that Dexter did. When in actuality, the original Dexter premise was that Dexter was a serial killer that... <coughs> excuse me, killed other serial killers. So if, if you look at it that way, it should be good. But back to my point about the woke people who are uh, woke said, well, that's not good because he shouldn't have been able to kill people. You're not allowed to take a life anytime, even if it was killing someone who deserved to be killed because no one deserves to die uh, unless it's a baby in the womb, then they deserve to die. But if it's a serial killer, they deserve, you know, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, everything else. And if you're John Fetterman, they deserve to be maybe let out of jail and not put in prison for life. Anyway, so the original Dexter killed other serial killers. He was a serial killer, but he killed other serial killers. He had a code, blah, blah, blah. So you could argue that he was a vigilante that was uh, taken to trash out that the uh, system didn't didn't take out. And this is a this is a uh, long history in, the, in cinema, going back to Dirty Harry and um, uh, Charles Bronson and everything else. But, of course, there's the woke that don't like that. And they say, well, that's you can't have vigilanteism. That's why they hated Kyle Rittenhouse. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse was a bad guy because he defended himself. He was a, if he was a good guy, he would have just laid there and let those people beat him to death or kill him otherwise. 
And by defending himself, he is now a white supremacist uh, because um, he killed people during a riot. That's that was the bottom line of Kyle Rittenhouse. And he was a vigilante and vigilantes suck. You know, it's funny. These people who are these woke uh, who hate vigilantes and, you know, hate when serial killers get killed. It'd be interesting to see whatever happened if they ever fell victim to one of these uh, people that they purport to support so so greatly. One of these criminals. Anyway. Back to the point of Dexter New Blood is Dexter New Blood was terrible. And if you look at the uh, cast of it, you could tell that they were going through the starting lineup of affirmative action and putting in people based on skin color only or whatever other uh, physical attribute they had in the cast itself. So you knew if that was the case that the writing, the writing room was made up of like this article talks about. Uh, white people do not apply BIPOC female only or whoever. Anyway, the point is, is they didn't hire people based on their writing ability. They hired people probably based upon whatever they look like or whatever their pronouns were or whatever the case was. And it showed in the final product and it sucked. So that leads us to another article. This is about, uh, this is from John Nolte too, from Breitbart. It says, uh, far left Axios blames the ongoing trauma in the entertainment industry on everything that one thing is causing that trauma awful, awful content. And the article is called cord cutting, faltering streaming services, brutalized woke Hollywood. It says households cutting their cable slash satellite TV cord jumped to 10% in 2022 jumped to 10%. Even if you figure in those who canceled their satellite cable TV package and jumped onto what is known as a quote skinny bundle or a cheaper form of cable TV, the drop is a full 6%. Five years ago, 79% of roughly 100 million U.S. households paid for cable TV. 15 years ago, it was 85%. Now it is closer to 66%. I'm shocked that is that much. I'm shocked that 66% of people pay for cable TV. This is costing Hollywood billions. Whether or not you watch CNN or MTV or MSNBC or the Disney Channel or ESPN, these multinationals still receive a portion of your monthly cable bill. So let's assume, although it's probably more, that Hollywood makes $5 a month from those five channels. That's $60 a year per household. Multiply that times 85, billion, or 85 million households in 2007. That's more than $5 billion, billion with a B per year. But now that number has dropped to 66 million households, which means a loss of about a billion per year. Only it's a lot more money than that. Look at the channels on your cable system. Let me tell you, streaming is not replacing that revenue. Most streaming services are losing money and not growing at desired rates. Wall Street knows this is why media stock prices are collapsing. This is why Disney is looking to get rid of ESPN and ABC. But let's get real. The problem is not changing times or the Biden recession or the drop in ad revenue. The problem is content. Movies and TV suck today. Have you looked through your Netflix menu lately? It's a $5 billion pile of garbage. There's nothing to watch. Same with Peacock. Sure, there's some good stuff on both services, but you can blow through the, quote, good stuff in a few hours or weeks. Then you're left with garbage, $5 billion pile of garbage. That's a lack of content. Good heavens, there's a ton of content, endless. I mean, that's not a lack of content. Good heavens, there's a ton of content, endless content. The problem is that it all sucks. And he's right. Not all of it sucks. A lot of it sucks. You know, the new season of Yellowstone, if you haven't seen it, is... Uh, it's two seasons, two uh, halves. I think it's seven or eight, half, eight episodes per half. And it's uh, the first half is now over. So if you're watching it, the first half is over. And if you haven't watched it, spoiler alert, 
uh, close your eyes or ears or whatever. Uh, the new season isn't that isn't that astounding, really. I if I had to ask you, if you had to tell me what happened this first part of the last season, I think this is going to be the last season of Yellowstone, which is season five. Uh, John Dutton became governor. He got his girlfriend out of prison. Uh, Beth seems to be kind of very uh, much wanting to be with her husband. She seems like she's very much in love with him. No one's been killed except for a few dogs. And that's it. There's it's kind of a drop in the action, which is surprising because the first few seasons of Yellowstone so far have been very good. Um, but it may have something to do with all the writing that Taylor Sheridan is doing. And it may be because Taylor Sheridan doesn't want to give up the content to these woke people. Who knows? But the writing is um, it's kind of weak. And I think, you know, he's writing he's writing for 1923 now, which is the new one coming up with Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren, which is the prequel still to Yellowstone, which is the sequel to 1883, which was the prequel prequel to Yellowstone. So 1883 takes place in 1883. Uh, It has to do with the ancestors of John Dutton making their way to what would become the Yellowstone Ranch. And then 1923 takes place in 1923 and it's uh, John Dutton's I believe his his brother which is played by Harrison Ford and he's now the patriarch of the Yellowstone Ranch and that has just started I haven't seen any of the episodes of that <clears throat> hopefully it's good we'll see my concern with that move or that show is that in the clips I've seen they try to make it looks like they're trying to try to make uh, Harrison Ford out to be kind of like uh, a badass, a dangerous person. And think of William Money in Unforgiven, Clint Eastwood, playing William Money in Unforgiven. He was this retired gunslinger. And at first glance, he looks like a broken down pig farmer. But then later on, as you find out, he is still underneath all of that uh, wrinkles and uh, fatigue. He is the He is the true badass that he always was. Now, if you look at Harrison Ford in this new episode, I'm sorry, in this new show, it looks like they're trying to channel some of that badassness into the Harrison Ford character as Jacob Dutton, the patriarch of the Yellowstone Ranch. And a truth be known is I don't know if Harrison Ford can pull it off. Uh, We'll see. I think the closest Harrison Ford came to being a badass was when he played in um, the movie where he was the president and uh, it was on the airplane, Air Force One. And that's about as close as he came to being a badass. He is kind of a badass certain times during the Indiana Jones movies. But for the most part, he's like the professor. And we'll see. We'll see. I, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to, you know, cast his versions till I've seen it. But I don't know. We'll see. Have you heard this? <laughs> this is funny. You know, I just thought Prince Harry out of the two brothers was like the more masculine one. I don't know why. Maybe because uh, William... Prince William just seemed like he was, I don't know, like his father, kind of like a man with very soft hands who probably didn't know which end of a rifle the round came out of. And then Harry was a guy that was in the military and he seemed kind of more down to earth. And then later on, he hooked up with Meghan Markle and now he's kind of, it looks like he follows her around and kind of just does whatever he wants. She tells him to do, including abandoning the only thing that he has going for them, which is his, his royal, his royalty. I mean, (laughs) the hilarious thing about the 
Harry and Meghan situation has. So Harry's Harry's a prince, right? Prince Prince of uh, whatever. I don't know what prince he is. He's a prince, right? Royalty, British royalty. That's his only claim to fame. He was a soldier. He's got no real trade. He, he he's he's a rich person. I mean, it's like Paris Hilton, basically. You know what's Paris Hilton? Paris Hilton is an heir. Uh, she made a sex tape. She was on a TV show. Uh, she's Paris Hilton. Uh, what's Harry? Harry is at Royal and he's, that's all he is. He was, he was in the military. Then he hooks up with Meghan Markle and Meghan says, look, you got to get rid of this family. They're racist. This whole patriarchy, this whole monarchy is based on racism. And Harry, for whatever reason, he buys into this and he says, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do what you say. And they drop the only thing that, and I think this is what happens when you're isolated too. Like I said before about people being isolated in their own little, in their own little, uh, when they, when they get isolated in, in, in places like New York city or something where everyone around them thinks the same way. If you're, if you're, if you're Harry, look, Harry has never known any type of, uh, financial difficulty. You know, he may have known difficulty in the war, I'm sorry, in the, in the military and who knows how protected he was if he was, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say either way, but either way I'm talking about financially. He never knew any discomfort at all. And so when you, when you go through your life, it's like, uh, you know, coming to America, you know, Eddie Murphy's character, he doesn't know anything about anything, but being rich. And then he shows up in New York city and he's like, I want to live in this slum apartment. And then he goes to live in it. But, uh, Arsenio Hall's character knows better. He's like, this that's not what we want. Anyway, Harry, he doesn't know anything. He's like, okay, well, we're going to go to America. I'm going to, I'm going to renounce my family basically. And here he is in this situation where he's got nothing really except for trying to uh, sell his book. Now his wife's got nothing going on. She used to work for a game show. I think she's done a few voiceovers. Uh, Harry tried to get her a job with Disney doing some voiceovers or something. I don't know whatever happened with that, but here he is. And she, but anyway, I used to think Harry was like the, 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 the masculine one, the alpha male. But this book is funny. It's called uh, Spare. It says, Prince Harry claims in a memoir, William once physically attacked him during an argument over Meghan Markle. It says here, in his memoir, Spare, hitting bookshelves on Tuesday, Harry wrote that the Prince of Wales allegedly called Meghan Markle, quote, difficult, rude, and abrasive. After the two brothers met at Harry's then home, Nottington Cottage, according to The Guardian, which obtained an excerpt from the book. Harry said William had wanted to meet to discuss the, quote, whole rolling catastrophe of the brothers' relationship, but that William arrived, he was already, quote, piping hot. After Harry accused William of just repeating the press narrative surrounding Markle, the two brothers began shouting over each other, Harry wrote, with William stating he was just trying to help Harry. Prince Harry writes in his memoir that Prince William grabbed him and pushed him on the ground during an argument in 2019. Are you serious, Harry wrote, that he remembered saying, Help me. Sorry, is this what you call this? Helping me? Harry then went into the kitchen to get William some water. Willie, I can't speak to you when you're like this, he said he told his brother, Brother Guardian. But Harry claimed that William called Meghan Markle, quote, rude and abrasive before he allegedly physically physically attacked his younger brother. He set down the water and called me another name. Then he came at me, Harry claimed. It all happened so fast, so very fast. He grabbed me by the collar, ripping my necklace, and knocked me to the floor, Harry further alleged. Now, little side note. Do men wear necklaces or do men wear chains? I don't know. I, I don't wear either. But 
I, it's strange that he said he has ripped his necklace. Is a necklace something a woman wears? Oh, well, I guess we're not supposed to worry about that now in this day and age. That's probably being a homophobic or transphobic or God knows what. I landed on the dog bowl, dog's bowl, which cracked under my back, the pieces cutting into me. I lay there for a moment, dazed. Then I got to my feet and told him to get out, the Duke of Sussex wrote. He went on to claim that William urged him to fight back like when they had scuffles as children. But Harry refused, adding that the ledge incident left him with a visible back injury. Now, look at this. I thought Harry was this, like I said, I thought Harry was the kind of alpha male. But Willie, Willie apparently is the real tough guy here. And he beat Harry's ass in the in the kitchen. And Harry didn't even fight back. The guy calling his wife abrasive and rude. And he rips his necklace and he knocks him into the dog bowl. And all he does is lay on his back and say, please get out of here. He went on to claim that William merged and fight back. Okay. Later, William came back and apologized, but refused to admit that he had physically attacked Harry, he said. No, oh, this is strange. Harry added that when his brother once left again, William allegedly turned around and called back, you don't need to tell Meg about this. You mean that you attacked me? Asked Harry, to which William responded, I didn't attack you, Harold. Isn't that interesting that he calls William Willie, and uh, Willie calls Harry Harold. I thought that was interesting. According to the Guardian, wrote, Harry wrote in his book that he, he did not immediately tell Markle about what allegedly occurred and instead called his therapist. Good God. However, when Markle saw the, quote, scrapes and bruises, Harry ultimately told her. Harry reportedly wrote that she wasn't surprised and she wasn't all that angry. She was terribly sad, he added. Tension between the once close brothers has been noticeable since Harry's marriage to Markle had a flash, blah, 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 blah. Good Lord, this guy is, he needs a dose of testosterone. They need to check his testosterone, honestly. Here we get a testosterone check. Um, this is, you know, back to these people. Uh, it's, yeah, I was talking about people who live in these bubbles. This came across somewhere. I think it came, I think Tracy sent this to me on Instagram. Or someone sent it. This is this, this, is this guy, uh, Stephen Colbert, this alleged comedian. Back when I was a kid, we used to watch Johnny Carson. And before Johnny Carson, I mean, and after Johnny Carson, we used to watch David Letterman. And this is when David Letterman was on NBC. And when David Letterman went from NBC to CBS, you could tell there was a, a significant change. David Letterman on NBC was very, um, what do you call it, uh, unconventional. He was funny. He was unpredictable. When David Letterman went to CBS, he became basically... Uh, more and more and more what you would say is uh, basically a mainstream liberal. And now you have these guys that are there now, Jimmy Fallon and another Jimmy, whatever his name is. And then this Colbert person, these guys are just establishment garden variety, run of the mill liberals. And just listen to what this loser has to say. Independent, nonpartisan journalists like the folks at Fox News are also... Also, very, very upset. They're talking about the McCarthy thing that he's talking about. He's saying that the, the journalists at Fox News are unbiased. And this is another thing that's so funny about these people on the left is they think that Fox News is somehow some bastion of conservative thought. These are probably the same people who think the National Review is like the uh, bulwark of uh, conservatism in the far right. Just to see them vote and do the same thing over and over again and then make speeches to endorse Kevin McCarthy and have him not get the... I just thought it was the craziest scenario. It's making the Republicans look ridiculous. Tonight we asked... 
This is a, they were talking about the Republicans looking ridiculous. This was another thing that is. So this is the thing is for those people in, in, in the situation of Stephen Colbert who don't understand most people who are conservative, who are thinking of themselves as really conservative, don't think that Fox news is that conservative. Sean Hannity is, but he's an opinion show. And even Sean Hannity usually falls in line with the establishment on most, most things like this McCarthy thing where they thought McCarthy should get pushed across because McCarthy was the best uh, guy for the job. And they actually, I think in their heart of hearts know that when McCarthy gets in there, nothing's going to happen any differently. We're going to continue to spend at breakneck speed. We're going to continue to do things that are stupid, like uh, fund uh, Hoover's boys. We're going to do continue to ignore things that are, are problematic, like, uh, what happened with the uh, quote unquote vaccines and how they were delivered. And, and is there any accountability there? Is there any mistakes that were made? They're going to continue to ignore that. And, uh, but Hannity and these guys think that if you get, a, if, I don't know if they really believe it or not, but they're, they're kind of endorsing the idea that once McCarthy gets in there now, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to like set the ship straight, whatever the case is. It's the question. Oh, well, how about this question? What would Ronald Reagan say? I don't know, Sean, something like, "Laughing like seals. where am I? Everything was so dark for so long, and then there were these demons dancing around me chanting, you you should have addressed the AIDS crisis when you had the chance. And then I woke up all of a sudden. Mommy! God, this guy is so completely unfunny. The people who are laughing there are laughing reflexively because I don't even know if they know who Ronald Reagan is. The likelihood is they have no idea who Ronald Reagan is, but they know they're supposed to laugh because... They're in the Colbert crowd and they're laughing reflexively. Chances are they're in their 20s. They have no idea who Ronald Reagan is. They probably know who Bill Clinton is only because of Monica Lewinsky. But they have no idea who Ronald Reagan is. Here here they are laughing like, uh, clapping like seals when Colbert goes through this ridiculous routine that that Ronald Reagan somehow in hell because he ignored the quote-unquote AIDS crisis and uh, that that he was somehow uh, a part of contributing to it. Now, this guy... Like I said, there was a time when late night TV was something that was, for the most part, nonpartisan. Johnny Carson was funny because he didn't have any uh, holdback. He didn't hold back with who he uh, made fun of. He would make fun of uh, Democrats and Republicans. He'd make fun of, you know, whoever. It, it didn't matter. But these guys, these 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 late night people now that pass for late night are so damn boring and so trite and just banal they're just completely uh they're they're terrible and this guy colbert i don't understand how he still has a job but the truth is is greg gutfeld is killing all these people in uh in ratings and it's it's good too because this is the this is like i said this is the year hopefully that woke goes to die because i would like to see some of this stuff coming out now you know <clears throat> elon musk a lot of it's got to do with elon musk releasing the twitter files I don't know how much of that you've been listening to, but Elon Musk is basically exposing the deep state for what it is. You know, the deep state, for the most part, is basically this unmovable, permanent fixture in Washington, D.C., and in the media and the lobbyists who who, who interchange part uh, uh, titles, but are the same people who who move through different uh, levers of power who control political thought and political expression through uh, regulation and also through censorship now that we know what's going on with Hoover's boys and Twitter. And this is only what we know through Twitter, and the only reason we know that is because Musk bought Twitter. But hopefully what we'll learn more with some of these Twitter files and things like this is just 
you know, how exactly this works. And maybe it'll become more uh, common knowledge about this. I can honestly say 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, I don't think there was as many people as there are now who are in tune to uh, what's going on with, with, with me, with corruption in general in the government. And I think that's a big, I think that's a good thing because I think before people just assumed that the government was good. And there's a lot of people who still assume that, like I said before, I'm shocked that that many people still have cable and I'm shocked. And I was shocked through COVID too. how many people just blindly believed what the government said about COVID. You know what they said, like Joe Biden, this is a, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Well, we know now that was complete bullshit. It is not a pandemic of the unvaccinated. The vaccines, if they did anything, uh, they surely didn't uh, stop the spread. And, and saying they did and ostracizing people who didn't get the vaccine, it was was uh, a lie. And what it did was do nothing but destroy people's faith in the doctors overall, destroy people's faith in the government for sure. But it also it, it, it ruined people's lives by uh, making people who were, you know, pro pro quote unquote vaccine and not wanting the vaccine who are are members of the same family, for instance, at each other's throats. It made people get fired from their jobs, made people have to file lawsuits and everything else. And so this, all of this, all of this stuff that is, uh, is being done to, uh, to spread this quote unquote misinformation. Hopefully this will come out in this new year that we'll know more about it. And we'll be able to say, look, more people will be in tune to what's going on especially with our government, because the government, the biggest danger that the government poses today is that people believe that the government is both competent and the government is compassionate. They believe that the government has their, their best interest at heart. And that is a dangerous belief because the government does not have your best interest at heart. The government has its own interests at heart. The government exists for the sake of the government. The government exists to grow in and of itself. The people who are in government exist to have power. And you're going to say, well, then we're, we're helpless. What are we going to do? The only thing you can do is make the people who are in power, make it politically advantageous for them to do the right thing. Milton Friedman said that a long time ago. He said, we cannot expect to elect the right people to government because the right people are not going to choose to be in government. People who want to have power over others are, are, or traditionally not the right people to be in power over others. So what you have to do is make those people who choose these positions, make it politically, uh, make it politically rewarding for them to choose the right positions. So we have to make it politically rewarding for people to choose Liberty. We have to make it politically rewarding for people to choose, uh, uh, to choose, uh, um, transparency over censorship. We have to make it politically, we have to make it politically um, rewarding for people to not force people to get uh, medical treatments that they do not want, such as vaccines that are not actually vaccines. So that's what we have to do. But I think going into this new year, hopefully what will happen is, like I said, more and more people will wake up. That's basically what they need. More people need to be red pilled, as it were. More people need to be uh, understanding of what is going on around them and at least have some sort of critical thinking about it and not just blindly believe. If you have a family member out there, and I'm sure we all do, who only get their news through CNN, who only get their news through the network news, who only get their news from the New York Times, who live in this uh, small little vacuum like the people here cheering on this 
clown, Stephen Colbert, if, 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 if you have family members like that, then they have to be exposed to like, they have to be exposed to other ideas. If there's going to be a chance for them to, uh, to change, to get, to get, to get some type of a diversity of thought in their lives. And if we are to have a chance uh, to basically turn back the tide of this uh, radical uh, transformation of our Republic, which was a uh, written as a uh, uh, representative Republic into this, what's basically becoming a form of totalitarianism like China. And that sounds like, well, you're being uh, that's hyperbole. It's actually not because uh, if you look at China, the things that they're doing with social credit, the things that they're doing, co- coercive activities, the things that they are doing, uh, forcing people to get certain vaccines or not, and things like that in order to have a job. That's exactly what we implemented here. And if you look across the college campuses in Berkeley and out, out, in, the, out in the West Coast, all of those places are the those think tanks. Those are where the liberal ideas, these leftist ideas are cooked up. And then they migrate over to Washington, D.C., and then they get passed. And then they come up, and then that's how we uh, lose our liberty, L- slowly, little by little, as these leftist factions come up with these ideas and they filter into these geriatric uh, uh, staffs of people like Joe Biden and people like Nancy Pelosi and people like uh, uh, Maxine Waters. You know, they don't have any idea what's going on, but these young leftists, they put in this, this Marxist ideology and it percolates through our lives. And then suddenly before you know it, you're being censored by Hoover's boys on Twitter and you never would have thought that would have happened. And I bet you, if you go tell your family member who only watches CBS, CBS or NBC or ABC or reason New York times. You just said, did you know that the FBI was paying Twitter to censor people uh, based on their political persuasion? They will have no idea what you're talking about. And just before we go, I wanted to play this little tidbit from our president. My own neighborhood. The rest of the countries, the world's not a patch on our genes. If we do what we want to do, we need to do. It's never been a good bet. Traveled over 140 countries around the world. As I was, I'll paraphrase the phrase in my own neighborhood. The rest of the countries, the world's not a patch on our genes. If we do what we want to do, we need to do. That's right. It's never been a good bet. So the rest of the world's not a patch on our genes or whatever the hell he just said. Thanks for joining us. If you want to hear more of the Dr. Tommy show, go to drtommy.com slash podcast. If you're in Tampa and you want to come in and see what we're all about, we're concierge medicine practice. We are a freedom, a freedom based practice, meaning medical freedom. Uh, we do not push any of the, uh, um, we, we, we basically let people operate as patients and doctors should operate. And that's with independence. And, uh, we're not going to push you to do something that is uh, pushed down by the government just because they say so. And at the same time, we're not going to, uh, um, um, make you, uh, have artificial constraints from us by, uh, making you jump through hoops, through insurance hoops to get to see us. You get to see us and communicate with us just like a normal uh, person communicates with anybody through cell phone or text. And then you come and see us as often as you want. And then we do this all without the government's involvement, all without insurance involvement. All you have to do is you and I and Tracy, we all get together and we determine if it's a, a right fit. And if it is, and then we, uh, we have an agreement and then we just see each other as often as we need to be for a um, membership fee. And that's it. It's simple. It's traditional family medicine and sports medicine. And it's done without any of the hassles that you're used to dealing with, with phone trees and waiting lists and all that garbage. So that's what we're about. If you're interested in that, then come see us. If you're not interested in that, then stay in your big uh, corporate healthcare situation. Until next time, we'll see you later. Bye-bye. 